1: And three hundred and sixty five day returns.
2: Everywhere we go, people wanna know who we are and where we come from. So who are you and where do you come from?
3: So my name is Patrick James and I'm originally from Darendale, but live in Dunny County now.
2: And Camille Patrick, Uh, it's great to bring this podcast back to Kulak. So Darndale, I'm from Mofew, as people know, Mm -hmm. 10 minutes up the road from each other, but we actually haven't met, we met through Instagram when someone put out, or was it you who put out a Beggy Mitchell? (laughs) Who put out that Beggy Mitchell? I was asking
3: the Beggy Mitchell saying, like, I haven't been asked to do a podcast. Yeah. Like, and I was snapping, but then a few people were saying, I'm I'm Send it into everywhere we go. But I actually listened to everywhere we go. So I was like, Yeah, you got that
2: message, I was like... "Ah." (laughs) So Camille, tell me about Darndale. what was it like growing up in Darndale? So Darndale
3: obviously kind of would have a rough reputation obviously, um, and like obviously I was a little fat gay kid, so <laughs> the two of them don't go too well together. Was, do you know what, I had a great childhood in Darndale. Um I've loads of friends from Darendale. it was rough, like it wasn't a, it, w- it was easy sometimes, especially being gay, like obviously not out gay, but I mean anyone with half a brain would know I was gay. Um, and then, like, I I, to be honest with you, I don't think I ever was as rough enough for Darndell. Do you know what kind of mm-hmm. way? I was a lot softer. Like, no, I'm not saying everyone in is rough, but I was just always kind of a bit soft for Darndell. Like, I remember one memory I have was um, walking back in the shop eating a Mars bar, and a fella literally <laughs> bet that off me for half the Mars bear. Like, I'd have given him the Mars bar. He didn't have to kill me. Like, I was so around the field for half a Mars bar. I would have just given it to him. All he had to do was say, come here, can I have that bar? And I'd have been like, yeah. So, so like that's just an example of like do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, now we no, we'd we I go good childhood there. Like um, some of so my friends still have family living there and stuff like that. So when I go back, it's literally it just brings back memories, you know.
2: And many do? of us in the house.
3: There was five of us. So there was me, me ma, me dad, and my no sorry six of us and my two sisters and one brother at the time. And then when we moved out, obviously we I did another brother then. Um, but yeah, now we would great. Like we never. Never like felt like we know money like we kind of we never really did have money but we had we had a lot of love a mm. kind of a way and I think that's so important like like the love my man and dad gave us is so much more important than like materialistic things because I know loads of people that have loads of money and they've really bad relationships with their parents do you know mm. no I mean we weren't like Angela's Ashes like we weren't <laughs> living on the breadline like we had everything we wanted like mm. but we are comfortable do you know. Um one of some of my favourite memories, actually, are I used to collect, um, remember the milk, trays, the milk like, t- trolley things, yeah. the blue ones? Mm. And we had, like, an old door propped up on two of them, and, like, that was the table at the back. And then, for as a treat, we'd have, like, a, what my dad called was, like, a tea party. Right. Party tea, sorry. And it'd be, like, a big bottle of rainbow lemonade, a pack of crisps each, and a bar of chocolate each, you know? And we thought we were literally on a cruise. Mm. Like, we thought we were literally mm. at the ritz. We were easily pleased, you know what I mean? Mm. But I suppose, like, I am talking like, so simpler times like that.
2: And you're dead right with it because it was simpler times, but we were very easily pleased. I am, like, literally your childhood, yeah. even though I'm a little bit older than you. <laughs> you be- I beg your pardon. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit older than you. Just the same. Yeah, my, it was the same for us. We had treats and it was a Friday and yeah. it was, the older you got, you got a Mars bar, but if you weren't old enough, you got a chomp bar. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, this yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, so I get that. Um, talk to me about
3: school then. Um, How did school go down? there. School was brilliant. I'd say. Like, I went to Our Lady Macleod in and it is actually a great school, especially because Derrydale would be seen as quote unquote disadvantaged. So that school actually gets a lot of funding. Do you know what I mean? So it's actually a brilliant school. Um, so I loved every minute of school. Like, never had a problem with school, especially well, primary school. Um, like, as far as bullying goes, was never bullied. Like, I was kind of lucky in that sense. trying kind of way. Like, although again. Sounds would be seeing as kind of a bit rougher, but it's actually very open minded I feel, the mm-hmm. people in it. Like, do you know what I mean? So I was always made comfortable. Um, we all went to that school. I joined my first musical in that school with uh, we got a big huge funding grant from um to do a musical. And like it was the first time I wore a head Mike like and I was gone around. <laughs> it was Joseph and he's my technical dream co, but I um, literally went around with mike on thinking I was britney Spears. For you Joseph? Oh, I went on. I oh, hadn't yeah. have the confidence now. Why? I'll never forget who play jokes when you know who you are. No, boy. <laughs> Hold did, that in a
2: little bit for me, really, because I'm trying. I'm losing you and I'm hearing you. Right. Yeah, just make sure, yeah.
3: Um, yeah, you know, no, I didn't get it. I did audition. We just all kind of done man auditions. I, I'd never even heard of the musical. I think it was about 10, like, but I was one of the brothers. Oh, really? And I actually had a line that was, like, um, about being skinny and starving.
2: Uh, <laughs> like,
3: now the irony really to this. But, yeah, that, so I've done my first musical there, kind of done singing, um... Yeah, it is a good skill. It's a great
2: skill. Can I ask, can we have a conversation for a second about deprived areas? And sometimes it does, it gets me go a little bit when people say they come from a deprived area and, you know, they're trying to change the world because they're from a deprived area and everything seems, and do you know what I loved about the inner city lads? They said it wasn't a deprived area, it's a deprived mind. I just feel that people think they're owed something. Or they've a chip on their shoulder 100%. because they're from those areas.
3: Th- that is so true. Like people do. Like at the end of the day, th- it, it's not it being from a deprived area is not a personality trait. Do you know mm. what I mean? It doesn't define who you are. Like um, it is definitely right, a right. It deprived mind. like it's a mind. It's a mindset. Mm. Um, people a chip on the shoulder. It, like I couldn't have said it better myself. Like at the end of the day, no matter where you're from, don't get me wrong. Like at the end of the day, if you come from a, a really advantaged area with loads of money, you do have an automatic head start. Mm. But like that doesn't that doesn't affect how much talent you have, your intelligence, to in another kind of a way. Mm. So it is chipping the shoulder. And I, what I always think is, you get out of this world, what you put into it. So if you put nothing into the world, you'll get nothing out of it.
2: Very true. Oh, I
3: feel like Oprah or
2: something. I know. We'll have to do a little <laughs> oh, Oprah God session my. again. We'll sit down together and do that. Yeah, okay. I know <laughs> we're going to enjoy this one. So, um, then sitting in front of me, can we talk about your hands?
3: Yeah, so they're real smooth, aren't they? <laughs> Now, um, yeah, so obviously so, in Darrendale then, when I was 12, we were in a house where we'd actually been on holiday um, to Wexford and I just came home that night. And we, I, what I remember is waking up and... My mom pulling me out of bed saying the house is on fire, but like it's kind of it's hard to explain because um, when you think of being in a house fire, like I th- like you sitting here, you think right, what I do is I run out that window, I run out there, I jump out there. But when it's actually happening, it's a totally different thing. And it's, you have to remember I was twelve as well, do you know. And then when the when when the house is on fire, the big problem is the smoke as well. So the smoke you could actually feel it. It was like a, a black bag touching you. So. That, obviously, was, ter- like, terrifying. Do you know what kind of a way? And I remember, like, because I couldn't see anything, like, I was just running, 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 and face-planted the hot press because I couldn't see where I was going. So oh. I was like, oh, boom!" Like, had to peel i was off, off the hot press door. Like, I literally was stuck to it. And I was running around, and um, my mom was seven months pregnant at the time. She jumped out the window. Yeah, she was, like, in bits. And then I kind of remember... Uh, Do you ever see, like, say if you hold a lighter and you rub your finger over really quickly, you don't get burnt. Mm -hmm. I thought, if I ran through the fire quick enough, I wouldn't get burnt. Like So as you can see, that didn't really work. But um, yeah, so when I got out of the house then, I just remember, this is a, we better put a trigger on this. Um, So like, do you know the way your skin is connected to under your nails? I just remember looking at my hands and it was still connected under my nails, but hanging off here on all my fingers. It was like kind of being burnt off. Um, we went to the neighbour's house. That's where we kind of. It was lashing rain, and everyone was uh walking, like standing around with umbrellas. So we kind of went into the neighbour's house, and I was I was brought upstairs. And everyone took they took my clothes off. Now I'm only burnt on the top half. Thank God now. But uh, I was standing there in Like, and when the fire brigade and ambulance came, they said. Um, they, they came and saw me and they were like, he needs to go, like, now. So me and my dad, like, I was still conscious and all me and my dad went to walk around to the, to the well, run to the ambulance and we rang the wrong way. Like, I mean, you couldn't write it. So then we eventually turned around to my dad was like, wrong way. Got into the ambulance. And um my dad was kind of just, it was weird because, you know, when you see, like, your dad as your, like, masculine figure in your life, like, and he was just gone like he was i actually feel really emotional talking about this and i don't really normally but he was really really um really like rocking back and forth like and i think i don't didn't really realize the seriousness of me burns at the time i think i was in shock i could feel the pain but i nearly couldn't and i remember they were kind of put like all baby wipe things all over my body and they were like stay awake stay awake but all i just wanted to do was fall asleep and like the ambulance man was roaring in my face like stay awake stay awake and then I can't remember a thing after that. And apparently I walked um, into the hospital and then was put into an induced coma. So everything that was going on, I was asleep for, which I suppose I'm glad because realistically, like my brothers and sisters, who were in the house fire with me. With us, with me obviously, they might not have had borns and stuff like that, but psychologically they were affected nearly probably more because for the worst part of it, I was in a coma. Do you know what I mean? Whereas they were, the, the aftermath, Matt. They saw more than I did. Do you know that kind of a way? So um, then I just remember waking up and I was in a lift coming from ICO to a normal ward. I think I I was in an induced coma for a couple of weeks, like two, two and a half. Um, And they obviously put me in the coma to help me heal. But then when they were trying to take me out of the coma, they were... I wasn't responding for a while. So they were like, to me, my and I, like... um, like, we don't really know what much more we can do. Like, we don't know if, if we take him off, is he going to survive? Like, kind of just get ready for the worst in that kind of way. So, and I know they, they took it bad. Like, my dad in particular took it bad. Like, he had a, he had a really bad um, upbringing. He was in them, like, the holy orphanages, you know, years okay. ago. He had a, so I suppose all he ever wanted was to give us the childhood he never did and then to see me like that, in another kind of way. Um, but... The, la- the next few weeks after that like, were horrific. Like, I, was, I was so confused because you have to remember I was so up on morphine like, um, that I was still kind of out of it from the Lifestyle machine. And we had just come back from Wexford. So half of me was like, still in my Wexford. Half of me was like, on my back. So it took me a lot. And then they obviously have to wean you off the morphine, which is like coming off any serious stroke. So I was hallucinating. Um, I was just I'd like I'd see mad things and it was horrible and then obviously with the bandages I'd have to take get a special bat like um it was like a jacuzzi bat and they'd I'd lie in it and they'd they'd take the bandages off let it soak off or whatever and um, my dad used to try and make a phone for me he used to buy like champagne flutes and fill them with coconut and mm. like say like you're in a jacuzzi novel, but like it was horrible like uh, like some nurses would be patient, and, like slowly take them off. Some would just wouldn't have the time, and they'd rip off. And that was the like most worst pain. in another kind of way. Um, my dad actually, he said to me like every single night. Bar one night, he said said to me every single night, and he, he was he was he was really good at that stage. Like he was really he was really good. Dad, like he never really he never really got a chance to be as good as he die as he could be. Do you know what I mean? But he wasn't. I like. I definitely like psychologically as a child. I don't wouldn't have made it without him at that stage. You know, um, so the, the hospital was that was hard. Like it was, and then I had to wear a special suit for a couple of years, and in the hospital then because the physio would have to come in and rip my fingers because if they healed like that, I wouldn't be able to bend my hands. So they'd have to every day rip them, which would rip the skin. So that was. As a twelve-year-old child, it's like yeah. horrific. Do you know what I mean? I used to pretend to be asleep. To to visit. They'd come in, they'd be like, "Paddy, we know you're asleep. You're, we know you're awake," and I'd be like, <gasps> "Anything not to do." But the other time, they would just leave me. Do you know?
2: Yeah.
3: And then like kids from school would come up and see me. Um, I actually remember a fella, His name was Michael. He had cystic fibrosis. So half the ward is a bronchial, and half the ward is just sick kids as well. And he used to walk by me into every day, like trying to say hello, and I made friends with him. But I don't even, I don't even know if he's still alive. Like, do you know what kind of a way? Um, yeah, it was, it was a hard time. And actually my IADs. So when I was really sick, obviously, <laughs> in ICU, Make-A-Wish got on to my brother and sister, who there was nothing wrong with, right? My ads. No, you're not going to believe this. So while I'm fighting for my life in ICU, they were whisked off to Lapland. <laughs> <laughs> so, they, like, I was fighting for my life and they were eating mince pies with Santi. Stop. No, that's not fair. No. Exactly. It's not. I actually want to make
2: a wish on to me now Oh, my
3: God. Sorry, I'm just drinking more today. But I think um, I think they'd like left our spaces or something. That's how they got. Now, can you imagine me waking up, finding out they'd been in that plant?
2: Do you still hold it against them?
3: Yeah, I do, <laughs> actually. <laughs> no, it's only a day trip and all, but like, I mean.
2: Oh, but it's amazing I've been. Is, and is it? it yeah.
3: Welcome <laughs> here, Rebecca. To be honest, know, each day around If My brother was as sick as I was. I probably would have said, you know what? I'll hold off and see if, see if this one survives. Like,
2: no chance at no, all. No, they
3: needed it. As I said, they were going through such a traumatising experience like with the aftermath that had happened as I was blissfully asleep in another kind of a mm-hmm. way.
2: And can I ask you about your mum and the baby?
3: Yeah, so my mum was seven months pregnant. So she had the baby. So that's what, leaded, what leads on to the next... Um, so w- when i was really sick in the hospital my mom and dad who i had like were never really drinkers my dad never really trusted anyone to mind us because of his own childhood mm. so like i'd say we were babies at five six times in our old childhood like so when i when i was so sick the first thing my mom and dad done was got to the pub okay. which was not like them at all um and then they developed a really really bad drinking problem so the a couple of years after the house fire were eventful to say the least, do you know. In what way? Just, just the drink got out of hand, like do you know. Like I never, don't get me wrong. Like we were never they starving, do you know. But like it was clear that they 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 weren't capable of minding their minding the kids until they got over this hurdle. to another you know kind of way. Um. So then we kind of phone calls were made by certain family members. I mean. Don't get me wrong. It's no one's job to pick up someone else's pieces or their mistakes. It's not. But all I can say is, if it was one of my brothers or sisters or a family member of mine that was going through that, my first part to call probably wouldn't be ring a social worker. It would probably be, "What can I do to help?" You mm-hmm. know. That's just my taking it. So social workers got involved, and we all ended up going into care. Okay. I did. I am...
2: Um, and how many of his are at that stage?
3: So my mm-hmm. older sister around is actually far we don't have the same dad. She's okay. a she's a different dad. My mom had heard when she was like seventeen. So she was living down the country. So it would have been me my two brothers and my sister now one of my brothers would have been only like six months old. And we all went into care. I don't know how it came about, but I just ended up kind of gradually starting to stay with my nanny. So that's where I went was with my aunt. Um so there was there was problems within the, the whole family like, do you know, like I remember I remember the day that the um that They went into care, my brother and sister, and all that was horrible. And still to this day, I actually still think about it. Like, really, really get like, and if I feel like that, I can only imagine how my man feels, you know, kind of a way. Um,
2: how many of them went into care? Did they go together or
3: well, they did, they, they were actually all split up, which is wrong. Come here, it's a totally different podcast. If I if you wanted me to, to talk about the foster system or any type of social work system, come here. They're obviously there for a reason and I know majority of them are, are great at their job and stuff like that, but in my eyes, the whole service needs a complete overhaul. like a hundred percent turnaround of overhaul. Like um at one stage, I was actually banned from social work meetings. So <laughs> I used to run a book. I used to be like, Sir, have you got kids? And no one in the room would have a would have a child between them and I'm like, So this is textbook what you've learned and you're telling someone how to do things, like, do you know. So I wasn't allowed to go for a while. But um, yeah, so that was that was hard, like especially being separated. Like we obviously we'd be in rare together, and then we we're separated, and a big change like the house fire. Like I you have to remember, I was coming to terms. Three percent of my body was born. Now, besides me, now it's probably about three percent. But the time was three percent. Like I always come to terms now with this life of like, what are these scars like? And I know, come here, and the grand game and seeing scars in your hands. Like you have to remember, like the people out there with such. Much worse things around with them, but at 12 to have 12 years of your life, like one way, and then to be totally changed. Like, I was really over trying to deal with this. And don't get me wrong, my were were great. Like, my dad would be like, I used to have to put on a special suit, which was it's, it's skin tight to try and compress your scars. That was horrific. But my dad would be like, I'd buy you 20 or credit if you put it on this every day. And I'd be like, Yeah, do you know what, Candy? Kind of like, great, come here, don't get me wrong. I know I'm saying we went to fast care with my mum, that we had a brilliant childhood, like yeah. to be just a bit of a bump in the road and pay probably a, a big lack of support. Which probably yeah. sounds a bit better for me, like. But But
2: you're entitled to be yeah, better. Yeah, You know, you are entitled yeah, to be better.
3: Yeah. especially because my mum is the type of person that people run to for our problems with their and, and advice and it's like where was everyone for her, you know? Mm. This to be honest with you, this is the way I'm talking now is not in any way shape or form the way i put plans on talking about it so it is just kind of naturally coming to now. but
2: Mm.
3: yeah we were obviously we're in foster care that was grand and then um sorry
2: go on can i take it back a little bit though um did you go back into the house did you go and see the house and see the aftermath we
3: had actually we had we lived in a house in Mofia for a year did you it was an emergency accommodation yeah and um we just could never settle like
2: but like, did you go back and see the house that like did you see the aftermath? Did you physically no, see the house? You never did that.
3: I, uh, we they actually moved a year to the day it happened on the second of December and a year to the day it was ready to move back and they moved back. And I kind of was starting to stay with my Nanny at this stage and they just couldn't settle. Like there was just kinda of too many memories and so my mom eventually gave the house back, mm-hmm. which with a council house like once you kinda of give it back you're kinda of like, well, you can't get another one Another kind of way. so then my mom was renting and all for years, but no, I definitely didn't go back i um I just didn't f- really feel the need like do you know
2: and then tell me then you so you go to your nannies and the kids are all separated yeah. and uh, how long are they separated for, and how when how does your mom and dad does the drinking stop
3: so so yeah, so they were drinking they were uh, every one of them was separated um and then. My dad actually passed away, so he died of a brain hemorrhage, uh, when, about a year and a half after the house fire, and they were both still drinking, but my dad actually had been into a few rehabs really trying, like, you know, he really, really did try, and, um, he died of a brain hemorrhage, he just, um, I was actually down the country with my older sister, and we got a phone call, and they sent a guard escort to collect me, and I was like, um, I don't really want to go, like, and they were like, like, we think you, the hospital was ringing me, was a nurse, and she was like, we really think you should, and I was like, I, again, I was 14 or 15, like, I was like, I just, I suppose because he'd been drinking, he'd had a few falls, and it's like, you kind of just think, oh, he's drunk, do you know, the like, kind of way, I, I didn't really think of it, and a lot of people say to me, like, do you ever regret not, um, going up, and no, I don't actually regret it, because I was a child, do you know, when I wasn't ready to deal with that, like, do you know, I, am. Um, in the meantime I'd started stage gir in town and that was like a huge saver for me, obviously when you're when ho- home life is so like hectic and mental to have something like that to go to. It was great. So when my dad did pass away, um my mum's dad, my d- mom, yeah, my granddad actually rang and said he'd passed away and I think I'd kind of felt real faint. It was just it was kind of just a bit surreal. It was um It it just, 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 didn't feel right. I suppose it didn't feel right for anyone. In a way, sometimes I feel guilty saying this. In a way, I think because he'd been drinking, and when he was drinking, I didn't see him as much as I would have before I was drinking. It was nearly like I was eased into not having him in my life. Mm. Do you know what kind of way? Understand?
2: That's probably
3: actually the first time I've ever said that out loud as well. Um, And like, not not in shape or form was it easy? Like, do you know what I mean? And I, I often think now and think, how how different would life have been? Do you know what I mean? Because he's, he's actually he had great qualities, he, he had so many problems himself, he had no chance, of, he had no chance of life, like, and I know, I, I know that happens a lot with people have no chance of life, but he really, really didn't, but what he gave us was great memories for them for a few years, you know, so he passed away, and then...
2: Was your mum and dad together when he passed? Yeah. Okay, and how did she take it?
3: Oh, she was in bed. like, but she didn't give up drinking for a while after that. Like, I remember being in the church and she was saying this while well, I was kind of holding her up. And I remember listening to a granny behind me. She was like, oh, that woman can't even stand. She's that upset. And I was like, she's fucking drunk. Really? But she, she, not long after that, she got up.
2: I think Did you speak to her, even at your young age, did you talk to her about the drinking or did you ignore her? Um, that's a
3: good question. I actually think I did ignore her again, when that drinking starts, what well, I was going through, my own mind, you know. Like I you have to remember, I was after the house fire, I was going back to school. Like I've, I've never claimed to be bullied, but kids were. Some kids were horrible. Like people would be wrong crispy at me, like like mad things. Yeah. Like they come on, like now I know you can be kids can be bad, but like, but again, ne- would never affect me nowadays. Like do you know, what kind of a way. So, Does like, it not? No, it really doesn't.
2: It doesn't affect you now. well no. I have a
3: thing as well, like that. Like, my, brother and s- my brothers and sisters would tell me a story from years ago, and I'd be like, I don't remember that. Mm. I have this knack to just, like, come here at the end of the day, what's the point in surviving everything if you're going to live by what you've survived on? Like, you need to just move on. You need, to, like, you have to look to the future. Because if you s- wallow in the past, what's the point in even being alive? Do you know? True. And that's the advice I try to give my brothers and sisters. Because, come here, these things do, you can't go through these things in life without being affected. Of course, are going to be affected, but what is the point in surviving them? to live in their moment, like, do you know?
2: How did you survive them?
3: Friends. Okay. So, I love my friends. I have so many amazing friends, and they were there day over for me when my family couldn't be. So that's why, like, if I'm fine with a friend, I have no problem swallowing me pride and apologising. i I've not, Like, friends are so, so important to me. And you have to remember, I think that's probably what the rest of my family lacked, was good friends. So I, I already had an advantage, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, that's just how I survived. Where was I now? Sorry, I keep going you're off on fine. tangents. <laughs> you're not, you're
2: fine. And just talk to me a little bit, and I know it, this is your story, but your brothers and sisters, how were they after your dad passed?
3: Well, my sister took it really bad because she was really, really, really close to my dad. She was a real daddy's girl. And she still, to this day, takes a bad, like, like obviously we all still miss him, but it still really comes on hope. But she's had a hard life as well. Like, we've we've all had a hard life. Do you know, she... Um, realistically being put to foster care, they should have all been kept together. Mm -hmm. They were separated, like at such a young age, didn't know what was going on. Could only see their real parents every couple of weeks and stuff like that. Just, whether or not it was for the best, a right place for a child is always with their parents. Now, come here, there is, there is, like, exceptional circumstances because I've seen, I've seen them, my auntie-wise, when someone is physically not able to. I just personally think maybe if, my mum had a bit a little bit more support. There could have been there could have been done differently, but come here, that's that's looking back. There's no point in talking like that. But they yeah, they're grand, like they're sometimes sometimes I'm hard on them because I want I want them to be the best. Now come here. I haven't got a clue where I'm going in life, so I'm not coming down on people. But I am a bit hard on them, especially me little brother like the the oldest one, not the youngest one, like I'm a bit hard on him, but sometimes I sit in and I'm like everything he was went through, like it's a miracle he's even standing. Never mind what I want him to be doing for himself, Do you know, what kind of way. So, um, I think given what, we'd, what we had as a childhood, I think, um, I think we're all doing, we're doing well, like, because then you have to remember my man got off drink, and which is rare, is one by one she got us all back okay. from care. So, we like one by one she got us all back, and then obviously the youngest was. He was in care since for six months. So my mom seeing a, an attachment specialist. It was like an 80-year-old woman who'd worked in it for years. And she was saying, I know you want him back, but it's going to be detrimental to that child if you just rip him out of that family. Because mm. he always kind of came to us weekends. Like, he knew we were his family as well, you know. Mm. So we were all like, no, just fight for him, just fight for him. And then my mom was actually really selfless and said, I can't, I'm not the that to him. And I couldn't understand it. I was like, what? And she didn't, she didn't take him back. She wouldn't take him back and we were like i was annoyed i was like why would you like you're not fighting hard enough and she's like "No, i can't just take him out of the family he loves you know you're gonna have me son <laughs> it is it's a, like i'm sure you understand that more than i do because you're a parent you know because i'm i was just his brother so i couldn't understand it um so we didn't so she didn't take him back and that was a hard move and then obviously social workers are involved in our lives but when you are this so
2: First Where was the where was your brother now? It, so story?
3: he's kind of half home, half still. He um. never kind of settled. So he obviously never lived with us full time. And then what happened was his foster dad actually passed away. I know. So not only had his real dad gone, his foster dad passed away and we got phone from social social worker saying he's gonna to have to come home. So we were like Never in a million years he'd come home. It was, and now he was coming home, which come here sounds great, but was a very hard transition for Long that child. He, um, he was at uh, twelve. Wow. Yeah, it was a few weeks after his confirmation. I was his sponsor, but he so he came home. So he was coming home because the foster dad had passed away. So the foster dad, that was Grant. He kind of came home, and at the funeral, I got talking to. I, I knew a friend. And I got talking to her and her brother was there. And I bought, and they were actually the foster dad's cousins. The foster dad's niece and nephews. That was their uncle. And that's where I met Christy. At the funeral. It was Christy's uncle. Was Paul I was my little brother's foster dad's nephew. Wow. And that's where I met Christy. <laughs> like what are the odds? And we're together five years now. Yeah. Oh
2: my god
3: like that's pu- it's really meant to be isn't it
2: yeah <laughs> yeah now don't get it
3: wrong when he came up to me in the funeral, and i was like looking at his pennies pumps and all i was like nah oh
2: <laughs> like
3: and he added me on facebook i was like no he has to be joking me but yeah it's okay of that
2: and so um, that's like so recent then yeah um and how is your little brother then
3: grant perfect grant mm-hmm. like again i was i'm a bit i was always a bit hard on him
2: mm-hmm.
3: and it, like people like like he's a child you have to remember and I'm like yeah but I don't know what it is like I just why, I
2: do, just, why do you do you, why do you feel that you're so hurt you have to hurt? is it because you've just you pick yourself up and get on do you expect that others should probably
3: and that's not fair as well no. but I think I'm just obsessed with the, with the idea of like if we if you got through all that to do fuck all that was for nothing mm. like do you know what I
2: mean but it's okay to do
3: football as I know. well sometimes. It's so true. Now come here, I go on like I'm running around doing everything all the time. I'm not, but mm. I just there's just more to life, do you know? And again, people that have been in foster care notoriously have a chip on their shoulder. They think the world owes them something. No, I'm not I'm not just talking about them because 'cause they'll kill me. But like, do you know what I mean? Mm. But they all they all have grey. Like all my brothers and sisters have come here, we're the most dysfunctional family, but when it comes to the crunch and moral needed, it's like we're all needed like when i was on the voice, everyone rallied around me that was that was actually a, a positive time My right? like and like a really positive like
2: and before we get on to because i want to take you back to stage school as well but um your mom was a, a, a marvelous lady
3: Ah, uh, like, my mom yeah she's amazing so she fought for everyone to get us back like she all like she i swear to god i cannot put into words i know everyone says better ma. and i was even listening to um. One of your podcasts, Paul, to know life on number two, yeah. like him talking mm-hmm. about his ma, it really resonated with me. Like my ma is just absolutely amazing. She, um, like I said, she might now don't get me wrong, she's given me the first share of money over the years as well, <laughs> but she might not have always had loads of money, but she she gave us love, and that was the most important thing. Like I could tell my ma absolutely anything, and actually, just last year she was diagnosed with throat cancer, which was a very, very, very hard time because. I know, I know losing your dad is hard, but when you're, thinking, when you're looking at thinking of losing two parents and probably completely selfish saying, like, what do I do without my mom? But, like, I have to remember she had a child at 17. She's 52 now. She's been rearing kids the whole time. She's had nothing but hardship. Like, do you know what I mean? So I panicked because I was thinking, because she was, like, she was kind of, she would just gone through her chemo, gone through her radiation. No, but I was panicking to thinking to myself, like, if anything happens to her now, like, she's happened, she's died without even living, like, yeah. do you know what I mean? And that I couldn't even, like, I couldn't even let my mind go there, do you know? And Christy's mum had actually passed away a few years ago from a very similar cancer, so it was nearly, like, everything being brought up. It was hard for Christy, like, because I'd, I'd only started a new job, and, um, like, one of my friends, Sean, she brought my mum to all our hospital appointments. Christy brought her to a few, like, it was, it, it was a tough time up here. Everyone's being touched by cancer, but it was actually probably the first time and within my family I was touched by it, so I was panicking I was like she has to survive this and I keep, kept saying to her because I feel like she was giving up she was so sick she was just giving up and I was like "Mad, this is not where your story ends like it, this is not where it ends like mm. you've have, you have so much left in you like you know so yeah she, she's doing good she it, she shout out to me ma she is literally <laughs> do you know what she always says to me as well the world is a better place because you're in it
2: mm.
3: and I love saying that to you because I think it's such a nice yeah do you know
2: I get that from you from yeah. I Get that from you from the lovely compliment you gave me when you walked in. Don't take on the hear this podcast after that comment to cheek you. I'll never get over it. Um, so talk to me. You said that stage school was your like survival, was your savior. Tell me about that. Absolutely, stage
3: school is, is so important. I think for kids, like one of my best friends, Marky, owns a stage school. So I ev- eventually went there. But I started off in the Hollywood Academy in town, and it is such an open safe space for kids now don't get me wrong it's not every child's cup of tea like you have you'll obviously have your kids into sports into blah 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 blah. it's so welcoming it's so it's a really important place for kids that are shy i would have obviously i had these scars i had no confidence whatsoever i felt like i didn't deserve to be loved i felt like people were disgusted i wore black gloves for five years after the house where i wouldn't hold a they railing on a bus. I had no confidence because of the scars. And so, and, um, stage um stagekill completely turned that around for me. I made some of my best friends I have from stage Girl. Uh Mark obviously, who owns stage Guild. he, he is brilliant with the kids. It's, it's really, really important. It was, it, it was a pivotal moment in my life. It was, it's a very big part of my story because it gave me a place to be safe and to be happy and be comfortable when maybe home wasn't, you know. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And I think that's it. it's very, part. that's a, a lot of kids are like, go oh there go for the safe space and go to be included and it's so inclusive. Everyone loves each other, everyone gets like gets on. I'm lucky enough for the stage girls I went to there was no really bitchiness, everyone was just included. Like I know that I can like bitchiness happy happens everywhere, but it would to be hundred percent honest with you, I'd say Sage Girls saved my life. Really? hundred percent.
2: And do because I think we I had a conversation with I maybe Paul and someone else about this, and maybe that will resonate with you, is the fact that you can go in there and play a different character and yeah. be a different person 100%. and you could step into that role and Patrick would probably move away yeah. in that moment. hundred percent.
3: And all the, the, like, hold scarlet, hold my gloves, and, like, having gloves on, all, all of that just went out the door because it's a safe space, a safe space for kids who are different as well. Do you know? Because not, like with with football, they're all sporty, but they're all, like this is just a total eclectic, total different group of people, all come together that just fit. And as you said, when you're on doing shows, it's not you that's up there; it's a totally different person. You can leave Patrick, you can leave Patrick, the the fellow boards of a crisp side stage and walk out there and be Paddy. Do you know mm, what I mean? Mm. So yeah, it was it was very important.
0: When did you realize you had a voice? Ready to pop the question?
3: When I was younger, like obviously doing the musical, I used to love Christina Aguilera until my voice broke. I couldn't sing. <laughs> Actually, when I was on the lifestorm machine, um, after the was Fire, all the Filipino nurses were like, "To my mom, does he like music?" And she was like, "Does he what?" And they were like, "You need to go get his favorite music and play it." And after a few days of playing Christina Aguilera's album, was when I started to m- uh, move. Oh, really? that sounds real dramatic, doesn't it? But yeah, no, but it's, yeah. It was her album stripped to done come out, and I had it on repeat. So she, um, so that's what we played on repeat, and I started to move. And What's your favorite
2: song from the album?
3: Uh, so it's, uh, it's an album track, so not many people now, but I do love the album.
2: What's it go like?
3: No, I'm, also, I'm <laughs> absolutely not. I wouldn't even try saying Chris. I'd be like, hey. <laughs> Back then, I could sing, but yeah. I can't sing her. But she's Whitney Houston as well. I was great. like most people, you know, like most kids, their dads are like they grow up in like the rap pack. Do you my dad loved Whitney? Oh, yeah, yeah. he was like a gay man in a stray man's body 100%. My dad was the same size as you, tiny.
2: Was he? Yeah. I can't believe the height of you. Where'd you get it from?
3: Yeah, well, my mass my mass' tall. Okay. But whole family are tall as well. Yeah, I'm 6'2. Just as well. Because if I wasn't tall and this weight, I mean I'd be like I'd be like a bleeding blimp.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and bring it back to me again about um the voice. so you, did you just do singing lessons? Did you get a trained voice? No, coach? so just in
3: the stage school you'd kind of do group singing lessons, you know okay. what I mean? But I never really trained. And then I remember my friends were like, You need to apply for it. And I was like, Oh, absolutely not excuse me I actually went to the X Factor boot camp when I was 16 and I uh, hated it it was really really tough like they'd to slice our throats to get past do you know what I mean and I was like if that's what you have to do to be a singer I don't want to be a singer but the Vice of Ireland obviously people always say to me why you go for the Irish one like it's smaller it was painful for me someone with no confidence who could gradually build that confidence do you know what I mean um, I went in with again no confidence and my confidence grew. I have obviously all the coaches turned for me and I picked Eone. So Ione Healy from the Saturdays, she's um she was probably the best thing out of the whole show for me because she brought me to London after it to record and write and stuff like that, like it was amazing. The Vice Wild, the budget is so much smaller than the UK one. So obviously it's net, the production values are never gonna be as big or as good. But for an Irish show, like the the way the people in that show worked were absolutely incredible. And it was the best experience in my life. Like Am I selling out to three arena now? Absolutely <laughs> not. Nah. But I never went in with that intention. So you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I just went in to, to build me confidence. and Then I kind of became Bucky's favourite to win, which I hated because I feel like more often than not, when someone's favourite, they don't win. Mm-hmm. And um, I made some great friends, made some lovely people. Obviously met, met Ione, done a song with Brezzy. He was his sound. Um, it was, it was a, a brilliant, brilliant experience. I wouldn't change for the world. Now, being signed after was hard as well because you're kind of in contract and um, when you're, when you're a, a, a TV show winner, you're, you're, you're um, what's the word? Why am I going blank? You're kind of... Uh, treated. yeah yeah. No, when you're a TV show person, you're, you're treated like that. Whereas I felt like if you just don't treat me like someone that's on a TV show and to kind of develop me as an artist, well, sure, I've got a clue. I had no manager or anything. And you don't get a manager. I hadn't got... The foggiest. I didn't even know what PRDM meant. They'd give you a few bob like every day when yeah. I was away. They'd be like, no PRDM here. I was, what's that, man? Because I worked in Duns. Yeah. I worked in Dunn's before the vice and I loved it. Yeah. If Duns could match me wages now, i will be back tomorrow. <laughs> I loved it. They were so... Everyone in Duns were amazing drawing devices as well. And Duns are notorious for not really letting cameras in or anything. They let the cameras in. They sponsored me. to get me money to get T-shirts and banners and everything like that. Like, that was... It, it nearly feels like it didn't happen now but wasn't it was in a, it was a great great time and then obviously to win it like do you know
2: what does that really really feel like so let's talk a little bit about that what does it really feel like to see and especially after the life that you've had yeah um and i'm not i you you have had a life you know <laughs> um so after life that you've had and then to have like the country or the city, or you know, behind you. Yeah. What was that like? Oh,
3: it was amazing. Like, because they kept saying to me, to people, a like, Dublin person has never won because it's notoriously country people that watch RCA. Like, mm. and I was like, oh. when they kept saying to me, I was like, I'm gonna prove you was wrong, like, do you know what I mean? And then like when I'd be walking down the street, like I remember one time as a new looking someone was wearing at me to sign Dark Risti, you know, and I was like, Oh my god. I felt like Brad Pitt. I was like, Right girls, calm down, <laughs> but uh yeah, I loved it, like I really did. People did now come here. I'm forgotten about no one would even care but for that little time I enjoyed it do you know what I mean mm. and as well because it's Ireland and it's an Irish show it's not too big either mm. do you know I don't know what, how I'd cope with the likes of X Factor or like Big U shows do you know what I mean
2: and then when you did win um I should have given you a glass of water apologies um, okay. when you did win uh like is there, is there nerves going into it is there uh, a, you know what is that I'm like It's like really
3: yeah I was oh there was, I was like, so the first day, what happened was the first, day I was the first person to audition, I we were riding around for hours, and they were like, right, sandwiches and soup, I was tearing into the sandwiches, and all of a sudden, they were like, right, Paddy, you're singing? Now, I'd half a chicken and stuffing sandwich hanging out my toots, <laughs> I was like, sorry, can I let this digest? now?" Now I need to go, I was like, you're joking, Now I thought the whole time I was singing, I was like, this butternut squash soup is going to come up, my throat, all over the stage, I was, do you know when I was at a milliner, because I was starving? So the, I was nervous, and then the battle, so we had to take his annex and I was nervous, and I was kind of, um, I actually was, just before the device on not working in Drones I was actually started to get really bad anxiety, and my sister would have problems with her mental health, and I would have always, like you just said, I'd be really like, just get on with it, just get on with it. so when I started getting these kind of anxiety attacks, I was like, oh my god, I'm being punished, like, this is being punished for me not understanding, you know, um, so... When I was on The Vice, that was kind of a struggle. It would get to the stage where, like, I know you'd find out, especially if you look at me on The Vice, I was even far. Like, um, during the weekend, you'd have your rehearsal on a Saturday and the show on the Sunday? And I wouldn't eat either then, days. I somehow got into my head that if I yeah, I'd have more anxiety. Don't even ask, you know. Well, I just got that. But Prezzy did see me one day in the makeup room and he came up to me after and he goes, Fady. like, it was someone like with talent, like, you should never feel like that. Well, I was like, what, Like, thanks very much for," like, "What am I supposed to say, right, Paddy? Don't feel like that. Like, it just doesn't work like that you now." Um,
2: was that a hard pill to swallow after the advice you give everyone else in your family? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah.
3: "Yeah, no, that's what it really was—a hard pill to swallow." And that's why I was like, "I'm being tortured now because I'm real like, just get up and get on with it." And like, it wasn't as if I was sitting there thinking about my life. It was just coming over like a, a, being in a queue used to be a really bad trigger for me. If I was in a queue in a shop, I'd end up having to leave, and I was like. And it happened to me as well when I was in the cinema as well. The film I hadn't even started. this the whole place was open and someone sat really close to me and I was just like, I had to leave the cinema.
2: How does it feel? Like, I, I've talked about panic before with people, but for you, what did it feel like?
3: Just fuzzy, Fuzziness. Fuzziness. Like, it, it was just kind of constantly fighting, it, constantly fighting, it, constantly fighting. It. And the girl actually on The Vice, her name was Cat She gave me advice when I was on The Vice. She said... Because any time I would have a bit of an anxiety attack, uh, straight after I'd feel really, really calm and really zonked, like I could nearly go sleep. And she was like, when I was telling her that, she was like, "Well, here's the advice for you: if you know in five minutes you're going to feel that calm, just let it happen. Yeah, stop trying to fight it because that's you're battling it and it's you're prolonging it. Just sit there and i 'I'm having, I'm feeling like this,' in five minutes time I'm going to feel zonked. And she was so right; best she ever got me. But I do think when I, the reason I got over being that anxious, no, me, don't get me wrong, like, I didn't suffer in a huge way, like, it, it wasn't, Stop a doing thing. that. What?
2: Stop doing that. Do you know that you do that? What? You keep saying, don't get me wrong, I know others, yeah. I know someone, <laughs> I know, they have, a, this, Yeah, because I don't want this to be like a pretty person, but No, talk. but don't do that, because, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're entitled to this, you're yeah. entitled to, do your, your valid feelings.
3: Yeah, now I know, they are, they are, but I, I, I'm, I suppose what I want to be like is I'm very grateful. Yeah. For the position. And I we know and you know? I know yeah, that.
2: Yeah.
3: I know that. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um yeah, so I think the what really got me over was when I met Christy. He um even if we broke up tomorrow, which won't be happening, Christy, so don't get any ideas. <laughs> but even if we broke up tomorrow even if he hurt me bad, I'd never be able to say he didn't do that for me. Because he really, really gave me like as cheesy as it sounds, I know I now know that I I deserve to be loved. I'm good enough to be loved. Like being a fat as well is a huge thing. Now come oh, here. All I do is want to be fat, but I'll do anything except for not you. But uh, like you feel kind of like, why would anyone fancy a question if someone says you look great? You're nearly saying they taking the piss out of me. But Christy has given me because Christy's so sure of himself and he's so confident in himself. He's passed it on to me. You know, like so. He's definitely the reason I get over all that. To save your life, hundred percent. No, I don't want to give him that big of a head, but I he know. really, really did. Like because, mm-hmm. as I said, making you feel like that feeling loved. Like, um, what I found so attractive about him is he's so sure of himself. I mean, like he is unap- 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 unapologetically him. Like you might not know, Come every single person loves him. I swear to God, I've never met a person that doesn't like him. But he doesn't care. Like me, or love me. That's who he is. He's a really genuine person he's the type of person that makes me want to be a better person do you know I think that's a lovely trait in him. do you know it what is. I mean He's very, do you know, who, do you know who he's very like me dad
2: really
3: yeah because he's, he's very a lot of him reminds me of me dad that probably sounds a bit sick doesn't it no it doesn't
2: no, it sounds like, lovely
3: yeah like he's a lot I me mean, good dad's good points Christy has them all like Christy's a busybody he loves cleaning and loves running around whereas now if someone, if I were not allow I wouldn't work another day in my life catch me on a cross beside you <laughs> We're Woods, do you know what mm. I mean? We're total opposites, but that's why we work, do you know? Um, I am so lucky now, like, you know, now obviously with the with coronavirus, I couldn't gig, mm. so I sang obviously full time. And uh, my friend actually works in a dentist and she said they're looking for someone to do reception and kind of train up in the nursing and stuff. That was a year ago, last week. So now I'm a dental nurse and I do a bit of reception in the dentist um, training in house, uh, and I love it. Now, come here, I talk down there being a dental nurse you just suck the spit out of someone's mouth <laughs> you have no idea how much a dental nurse works they are worth their weight in gold they do everything scrub around before a patient get everything ready for the dentist a dentist can't be a dentist without a dental nurse do you know mm. but I remember the first time I done dental like, I actually assisted a dentist it was an old woman I can't say her name but i will never forgotten her name and she would four teeth on the top and they were swinging in the wind and I was like no I'm sorry young. Like, let the teeth go into the light it's time for a denture right? so you have a, you have a little yeah. suction that does the spit and a big suction that does like, anything that going into the air so the de- So I was like that. My hands shaking. And, and the dentist was like, bring it closer, bring it closer. And as so I put the big suction near the teeth, the teeth were blown. And I was like, if I go a millimeter closer to these teeth, that are Please don't like, tell me they
2: didn't go. No, nah,
3: right? So I was that nervous. I was like, please, but here she was, right in, right in the dentist I was, Oh my god, I can't do this. Like I'm gonna pull her teeth out. Like, and what am I gonna do? Like it's gonna take you ages and all. So because I was so nervous, I put the big suction down beside the tongue. The tongue went up to suction, right? Yeah, one was that old that when I was trying to pull the suction off the tongue, the whole body was coming off the chair. <laughs> and the dentist is just sitting the other arm out open and saying like, what in the name of the chair you do? Someone said to me, why didn't you just turn the suction off? I never even tore of it.
2: Yeah. I
3: tore the tongue off, everyone. Oh
2: God. I
3: just wasn't able to, but I love it now. Do you know what I mean? Good. I do, I like
2: it. Talk to me about then, again, I'm just going to take a little back a little bit. Talk to me about, um, do you know who you remind me a little bit of? You remind me a little bit of Sarah from Ballymun. Ballymun, hon.
3: Oh, I love her. I actually follow her on Twitter.
2: Sure. You remind me a little bit of her because I feel a little bit that maybe... Do you use humour a little bit to hide? Like, do you slag yourself first like Sarah does so no one else could slag you? Oh,
3: 100%. It's mm. like growing up as a fat little gay and then a fat little born gay. Mm. Like, you have to. Do you know what I mean? Um... I don't I try not to say too pier things too personal anymore as well because I'm an overthinker. Now there's good sides and bad sides to an overthinker. Being an overthinker, you're very really wrong. Okay. I, I but if someone say if you invite me for dinner, I know straight away the second your mind changes to when you don't want people there anymore. I know. I, I overthink everything. But it is a bad thing as well because you overthink everything and you dissect every single thing. Do you know what I mean? But I just Come here. We all use humour to, to deflect, you know. But um, yeah, I suppose I do. I, su- I suppose most people do use humour, but mm. I definitely would slag myself before someone else would get a chance. That's I'd I'd say dad, yeah, you're, you're on the money there, now, Rebecca. back
2: mm, Yeah, if I, I, I do it myself. I would say yeah. something about myself rather than someone else say about me. And um, but we shouldn't. Well, come here. What would they say about your pay? effects? Oh, stuff. <laughs> I wish just slagging you gave me a lot. Um. Also, then talk to me about. What is it like then to win? And it, it, you know, it was it was huge in Ireland at the yeah. time. The Voice. And um, what was it like then? Everyone noticing you, everyone recognizing you, and then boom. Um, or actually, did the boom hit? Did the boom hit? Or I was to sure, I true? was fanned
3: because I went to, right. I think some people entered that competition thinking they'd be living in Hollywood, by the this time actually. But I always knew. I was like, it's a it's a smaller production show. At the very most, it's a stepping stone. So I was very. I didn't want, I didn't go too high with my expectations to be let down, do you know? Mm-hmm. But, you do go from like, kind of people, people coming up to you it slowly and gradually stops. But, I suppose, what I learned from The Vice probably was more what type. What I didn't want to do with my career more than what I did want to do in my career, you know? Uh, but like, singing, like there was a time where I was like, yeah, I want to be a famous singer. But now, I'm happy with my relationship, I'm happy with my friends. Like, Singing and doing a f- and having a job and buying a house, I'd we'd love to have kids like that. It's the price of a sorghum. Mm. You're, you're not renting your room by any chance,
2: eh? My room's too old for you. <laughs> it isn't. It's not your dad.
3: Yeah. So like, at one stage I, I would have been like, oh no, I don't want that normal life. I want to be traveling. I want to. But now I'm like, I I suppose when you're all young, we all say we're like we want to be rich. We want to be skin- oh, skinny. <laughs> we want to do that as well. We want to be rich as singer and famous and stuff like that. Or you kind of just give up on that, don't you? Now come here. That's not saying now If anyone's listening. and want to want me to travel around singing on a cruise, maybe. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say that, no, but do you know what I mean I dare uh, Like a, a normal quote-unquote life is very, re- is very appealing as well. Mm. Do you know, um,
2: a happy home,
3: exactly a happy home. And do you know what? I'm so obsessed with having a nice a home because from as long as I can remember, I haven't really had that. Do you know mm. what I mean? so um and it was just p- move out of the house and give it to me because <laughs> it's massive
2: and as well your home was taken away from you
3: exactly and yeah. that's
2: probably on your mind as well well
3: see we've not fa- like we've not photos of me when I was a child and everything God. yeah that's crap and it's hard as well with me dad being dead because we don't have many photos with him do you know because they were all destroyed like so that's a bit mm. crap you know mm. I think I've worn like an i baby in it and all but I'd love to I'd love to I'd love to have more photos oh come here
2: And can I ask again, just taking it back to the fire, are you after that and to this date in going into a venue, going into a cinema, going into a pub and looking for fire exits, looking for all of that, or are you not there at all?
3: To be honest with you, I I would always say no, but in the last few years, it's like I'm thinking more of it. Like, I am looking at that. Like, I remember I went to rave one night. She used to knock me going to rave. And everyone was, like, drunk. Everyone, no one had a care in the world. And I was like, there's one so stairs in and out here. And I was like, I have to go. I can't stay here. Because all I could just say was, and I was locked. Like, do you know what I mean? But I was like, I was just too nervous. I was like, there's one way in, one way out. If anything happens here, we're all dead. Like, do you know? Um, I suppose, yeah, it is something I would think about, something I'd be paranoid about. It's it's definitely something, let's just put it this way. I'd rather die than go through that again. I would, yeah, I wouldn't go through the pain of that of my skin and um how long it took to heal and
2: Do you remember it? Like do you really remember? Yeah,
3: it? I do remember. I remember that bat filling up with blood every time they took them bandages off. And my dad standing there with tears in his eyes and I was just like, just get it over and done with like And the I suppose Like I said, I have this thing where I can just put things to the back of my mind like they never even happened. Like, to be honest with you, if I hadn't got scars, I could probably, I'd say, I could probably totally forget about it. It's the only thing that reminds me, you know what I mean? But one thing I will say now, because I didn't wear T-shirts until two years ago. Me and Christy went to Rome. It was tortured to grace. And I washed long sleeve tops. I thought I was going to pass out on the Vatican. I thought the Pope would have to come down and give me milk to mouth. (laughs) Like, I was in bits. And then it was Christy again. Jeez, I'm really giving him a big head. And he you. was like, Paddy, like? D- who cares? Like, they're scared." He's like, "You're with me. What do you care?" And now it seems stupid. You know what I mean? But back then, I just wouldn't wear t-shirts. Like, I never would. Like, and then when I started wearing uh, t-shirts, like, it was no stopping me. But you now, like that paranoia, that um, being different, like, let's face it, no one wants to be different. Mm-hmm. I think all I ever wanted in my life was just to fit in and blend into the background. No. Said so so, she going on the vice too. I was just about to um, say. Jesus totally Christ. it me being like <laughs> loud, like walking into a house yeah. like me, like I never even met. But do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just, I suppose more, not even into the background, normal. Because I hadn't, like, I had the furthest from a normal childhood. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when I seen people that were normal, like, I kind of was more, a bit more jealous. Like, the people that's grown up in Darndale now, not normal, like, the way you saw, like, out to the Sunshine House. over you ever hear the Sunshine House?
2: I went to the Cheeky yeah
3: well now I, what are you going to say well, about sunshine well I can can't tell you came back and they were nits true or false
2: probably not now you I did uh, the whole entire day come back with nits they would be walking I went to sunshine and I like, actually fought to go to sunshine yeah housing.
3: we were never allowed to go but only because we were going on holidays now we used to go to on holidays now scurries like yeah. 15 minutes up the route get that but we loved it mm. Lo- like never like to us that was fine do you know what I mean um, but it's yeah it's a we're never allowed. it is a, it was a different life wasn't it yeah like now mm. like kids want so much like I look at my like my nieces and nephews and my godkids and my friends kids like they just have everything like yeah. everything everything
2: but I think as well now um, Darrendale and I do want to do something along the lines of a feature of Prize Prizewood Darrendale because there's such good people in Darrendale there's such good people in Prizewood there's such good people in Mofiw and there's so much coming out of it in community wise you know
3: what I mean a- amazing yeah. what other places in Dublin, I won't mention, because I'm going mean, to be leached lynched. Lynched. Leeched, lynched. Mm-hmm. Um, the community, the sense of community in the quote-unquote disadvantaged areas, even like the likes of town, Dublin 1, Darndale, Mofew, with all that. Like, they're the type, of, they're like, too you know what to say? It takes a village to wear a mm-hmm. child. That's what they're like. Mm-hmm. Like, in Darndale, if I came back from school and my mum and I were on the way home from shopping, there would never be a worry like he was going mm. to see the show. Because one, one of them would just take it in. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I think we're losing that. Mm. Do you know what I mean, unfortunately? But as I said, people are so obsessed with shining a bad light on these places when there's such goods. Like not being smart. That documentary they made in Derndale was a living space. Because there was no, no good light shown on it. And as you know, there's so much positive positivity coming from it. The fun, they get a lot of funding because of, because of the area and they use it so wisely. And they're the salted of the earth, to the nicest people.
2: And that's why when I do hear people saying, oh, we're a deprived here, you know. And I was like, well, you're not the only one that's So up and down the country. Up and down yeah. the country is deprived here. But it's, again, it's about you and how you pick yourself up out of it. 100%. Can and I,
3: we wouldn't notice any difference because everyone was the same. Everyone's the same, So yeah. I never felt deprived yeah. yeah. I never felt yeah. like we'd less. Yeah. you know what I
2: mean? And my friend had Levi's and I nearly killed her when she when she. She, I Aww. wore my Levi's for Christmas and she Lisa Conway she knows who she is <laughs> and she got she got the Levi's for Stevens's day that I got for Christmas day
3: well at least you wore them the day before no but you like, won it.
2: no but she was like oh well I got something more expensive for Christmas day do you know what I mean to wear
3: well I never owned a pair of Levi's in real life <laughs> so do you, know, do you know what I was just saying we didn't know was well now I'm saying to know that we had no <laughs> eyes
2: and pennies um, can, can I ask you then just about um, your mum what after the throat cancer then like you said there, that she hasn't lived yeah what life do you want for your mum or has she lived since or she's
3: definitely starting to think more about herself she was she had this guilt after everything that happened because you have to remember my mum and dad made huge mistakes and my mum's the only one picking them up because my dad decides to fuck off do you know what I mean mm-hmm. and die mm-hmm. but uh, she uh, so she she has this guilt but it, see, having cancer it's totally changed her She's like I think it's obviously something like that. When you're told like you could be dead. Oh she's a like, smoker. She, she's gave up smokes a few years ago, like okay. so um she she's like a totally different person. So now she knows what she wants to do. She knows she has to think more of herself. I'm like so bad. just not hold you you're like all oh, your kids okay are over eighteen now. Like excuse me, go go where you want, go to Lancer, go where you want, like, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She um she has got all her teeth taken out for her treatment and that was very traumatizing for her because the radiation was in her throat. So she got dentures and all like So she looks brilliant. Now she lost a lot of weight. Like I once said me, I was twenty sound, she's about seven or eight now. Like real jealous. And uh I was about to ask Yeah, like she's <laughs> drinking she's drinking dentures. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like
3: I lo- I long for the day. Someone says you need a meal <laughs> supplement on top of your dinner. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you need a good stew.
3: Oh, but mm-hmm. she, she's really getting back to herself and she is a changed person and she she realises now like again not like I'm going to like I'm over, but what's the point to me ma, surviving all that to just die
2: mm-hmm.
3: like live your life like you've done you don't always anything anymore some people might think you do but you don't always anything anymore like you've given us the tools and you've given us the love that we need it's our job to mind ourselves now so you go and enjoy your life life is too short like you could literally be gone tomorrow so I hope she am. Um, not that she has the money to fly to London's and she needs, not ask me to pay for the flight. <laughs>
2: has she seen anyone?
3: <laughs> she actually is. She has a partner Al. The mm. last few years, so she's happy and all. Do you know what kind of a way? Mm. I never would, have, never have a problem with seeing anyone or anything like my dad said. Fifteen years. Do you know what I mean? Um, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Now, if I died, Christy's not to move on. So ta- just, just uh, can you hear oh. that properly? Christy has not to move on. <laughs>
2: you'd be like he goes to, to a seance or something and you'll come through c- telling him do not move on absolutely
3: not I haunt him
2: that's terrible
3: I'd be like that film PS I love you but I leave like threatening letters <laughs>
2: <laughs> do you know who you look like do you know uh, Aaron Cas- Castle off um, Instagram he's a huge following in the UK I'll show you him now in a minute
3: oh my god yeah because he wears a back yeah because he's fat has a beard and wears a hat Rebecca now do you know that that comment I made when I walked in earlier I don't take that back now
2: you deserve <laughs> that now. You don't know, but no, you, you no, know. he's
3: actually less kinder to me. I'll take that.
2: Stop that with the fatness. Stop I know. It. I'm always
3: come talking
2: about that. Career. So, in your life, then tell me if you can, like, your highest point and then your lowest point. Now, I know you've talked about the bats and the fire, but other than that, has there been low points and high? What's your high point in your life?
3: Um. Yeah. Like as far as was so not a low point. It was a low time when mm. all that was going on. Do you know? And, like, don't get me wrong, like, I know that sounds horrific and all, but if I, get, if I get away with this life, with that being the only low point, I suppose I'm lucky, really. Mm. Um, and the high point is, are you ready for this Cheers, This brie, me and Christy.
2: Mm. Um, but you can see that. Yeah. Do you know what?
3: Don't get me wrong. Being in a relationship, as I'm sure you know, the biggest part of a relationship is compromise. And I don't like to compromise. So it's hard. And a relationship t- takes work. And anyone that's out here saying we don't fight we don't, like that's an absolute lie now we did very rarely have big fights but we'd quabbled, do you know what i mean mm. but that makes it all the more better do you know he, he is such a good good person like i, I genuinely where
2: is
3: he from? Okay. so he's from a, a, a an area like where i'm from do you yeah. know what i mean so we we with the exact same sense of humor and um like i know for a fact like we're gonna get married and you'll have to come to the wedding
2: Mm-hmm. thanks
3: that's a bit i that's a that's a you. Mm. Um but yeah he is a high point but then again I've loads of high points
2: like I have ama-
3: like amazing
2: friends I was about to ask tell me about your friends
3: so I've loads of friends like I've I've more friends than I can count but I've a good few close friends who know who they are because I'm not I'm not mentioning them because I miss one yeah but um I have great friends like who just really, really, really love me. Like, do you know what I mean? Like I said, that there was times when my family couldn't be there for me, and it was me friends that were there for me. So I'm so, so lucky. I suppose to me, the most important part of life as being a human is who you share it with. So yeah, I have Christy, and he has his friends, and I have my friends, and I-, I love his friends. He loves my friends, but we have a separate life. Whereas I think a lot of time with gay couples as well. Their life's kind of bland. But I like having a separate life. I like having my friends. He likes his, having, having his friends. Do you know what I mean? Because you, you basically need somewhere to go and bitch about when you does your mm. head, yeah? Do you know mm. what I mean? Mm. So, uh, yeah, now I'm lucky. I have a great friend. And, of course, I live with my nanny. So, I my mean, nanny, I live with her since I'm 12. It's just me and her there now. Um, she what's has her name? Marie. No, okay. I just call her nanny. Mm. I was like, what's her name? Um, she, has, she has a fella. She goes out with him on a Saturday night. And she's, come here, she is gas. Me, best best friend, like I love her, and I'm terrified. I'm going to be the one to find her dead because I live where I'll snap. I absolutely snap.
2: Do you, does that go through your head
3: on the yeah. daily? Oh, 100%. The heating is in for Him, and I remember one day I was real hungover, and she, I mean me. Then he's up to crack and I was dying. It was like, say, half nine or something. When I wanted to eat on, I shouldn't move. And here I was, oh my god, I'll go back to bed and I'll deal with it later. <laughs> Isn't that desperate?
2: <laughs> you you thought that woman was dead in the bed? No,
3: I knew she was alive. For but...
2: <laughs> <laughs> and you're winking down to, to, at me, and I'm like, <laughs>
0: Excuse <me>. you're like,
2: <laughs> told you unedited here now. I know, yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about yeah the relationship with your nanny, and is that your mum's mum? Ma- yeah, it's
3: my mum's mum. Ma. Okay, so I've always been really really close. We're like we're best friends. Like it's sad, isn't it? But she's great crack. She really... I remember when I first started meeting Christy, Christy or started seeing Christy, she'd be like to our fella, oh, Paddy's friends," And I was like, Manny, it's me fella.
2: So tell me about that. Did you tell, did you tell her you were gay? Like, how did that... Yeah. Did you know you she were gay? Got, she was
3: never, ever uh, she was always accepting, but she was always kind of be like, ah, um, my I friend Jessica Sheiky from you. still friends, were i actually going to a wedding a few weeks ago, a few weeks, and we always said when we we're older, we'd get together, like... Mm. And uh I don't know, like most people do, and... I My mean, nanny still up till about two years ago. He used to be like, now nah, he always said he liked Jessica. She, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, nanny, i like give it up. I'm with a man, mm-hmm. but she loves Christy now. She yeah. calls him Christopher. She doesn't like the name Christy. Christy, great pleasure. Even that's his name. I like Nanny girls. Na-. Now she loves him. She's
2: My friend Natalie says so she's the same. So she, you, the two of them were always together. Yeah. And um, her nanny was the same. She'd be like, no, she'd say, he's a lovely fella oh, Natalie, I'm delighted for you. He's a lovely fella. But Natalie would never tell Biddy yeah. that he was gay. I don't think she ever did tell me he was gay. But she would be like, oh, he's lovely. But they had a pact as well. Um, and obviously, Yuri went and got married, and then Natalie went and had a baby, and it didn't happen. But yeah. i like to think one day that they may still come back together. You do? Are you as bad as me, Nanny? <laughs> <laughs> but tell me about your Nanny then, um, with you and the fire and i'm not going to keep coming back to that but in those initial time that you moved over to stay with your nanny what was that like and was that then just the two of you as well no
3: so it was her uncle her two sons were living there so my dad died in january her son died in april and our other son died in may all because of alcohol addiction so it's a big thing that runs my family um i love a drink but never would never well, I suppose never say never, but I definitely choose. I can't hang over. I don't know how you done it. So um, they all kind of died very close, and I was there. So that was kind of another thing I had to kind of deal with as well. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I suppose I've I kind of became this this son to me, nanny. Do you know what mm-hmm. kind of way Like come um, here, I mean, I'd do anything for me, nanny. She was so good to me. Like people say, oh yeah, nanny, like looking after. Her. She looks after me. Like do you know what I mean? She just be, she goes away where a fella likes to go on holidays, and I come home and there'd be ten ready meals in the fridge, and I'd be like, nanny. Like that's 50 euro and I'm not eating that mm. so like stop no no she wouldn't go out without leaving me me dinner and all like she's so cute and like sometimes she's not feeling well she'll be, like, up and a bum burger <laughs> and chips like, and like hamburger and chips at my son's store is like a big deal like oh, she really? loves it yeah she's real <laughs> cute and she mills it
2: isn't it mad though again that I don't know is and, I, and maybe because it's not in my family now as in my immediate family or in my friends immediate family but Alcohol was a huge problem years ago. It really was, and I don't know—is it a huge problem today? Do we just not know about people with it, or yeah,
3: I think, I think there's a lot more help if you're addicted to drugs than there is alcohol. But I think alcohol is just as big as a like pandemic, epidemic, whatever you want to call it. Do you know the kind of way Christy actually works with drug and addiction and homeless, um, and so he'd see it a lot and all. But I think there, is, I think. You're actually right. I never even thought that because I don't actually see alcoholism as much mm-hmm. as I did. It's hard, and like, when I do see it, it, it breaks my heart. Like especially when I worked in Dons, I worked in George Street, so we get a lot of kind of homeless people coming in. Break your heart, like, like how how little do you have to think of yourself if you think that's the only life you can live? Like, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? That, that's why I always my mom always says she's like I'm so proud of you because you you know your worth. And it's only the last few years. Like, you have to know your work. Like, you have to. Mm-hmm. You deserve better than that. Mm-hmm. But come here, people turn to alcohol for all sorts of issues. Do you know what kind of way? So no one, no one can judge and no one can even really have Do you judge? For alcoholics.
2: Mm-hmm. Do you judge anyone? I'd like to say
3: no, but yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. Everyone does. Like, i got to be real. Like, everyone does. Everyone's be like, what? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Everyone's be having a bitch. If anyone says they're not having a bitch, they're a liar. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But you can have you can have a little goss. Or you can have a bitch and be malicious and there's two very different things and there's a very fine line. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like gossiping is part of human nature. Mm-hmm. But I would never be horrible about someone, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Especially for things they can't change or, do you know?
2: And do you think that's because of the life that you've had?
3: I think it's because of my ma. That's what she, the way she, because my ma is the most... The lead, if you rang home at me maths tomorrow and said I, I've done this I've done that she'd say we coming down and I'll talk to you and we'll she will work it out like do you know what I mean she'd never judge you for it like do you know what kind of way
2: um I know you said there at the top of this conversation about the fostering system I well I I got a, t- a DM yesterday yeah uh, yesterday an email yesterday I think today before from someone who works in the fostering system right. um Natasha and she's a lovely girl and we're gonna do a fostering amazing podcast we are going to sit down and we're going to talk about the system yeah we're going to try and speak to someone who's gone through it and we're going to try and speak to someone who is foster because she said that people don't understand what fostering actually is no. and how they can help
3: exactly like <laughs> excuse me i always think like about fostering i'd love to we'd love to do it eventually but it's a, it's a system that i nearly don't want to be part of but then like, you have to remember if you do it, you're saving the child from that system in another kind of a way. Like, as I said, here. obviously, it, there's a need for it. Of course there's a need for it, but it, it definitely needs to be changed. Like years, because I went to my nannies, I didn't have a social worker that came out to me actively, but I had a thing called a YAP worker. Mm-hmm. So it's called the Youth Advocate Programme, and it's a normal person. Her name is actually Yvonne Wall, and um it's a normal person that they work 15 hours a week, and she used to come out and just bring me out for something to eat and stuff like that. Now, at this age, like, for 50, 14, 15, 16, I was, like, a 20-year-old, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But she was amazing with me. She was amazing. And it, you need people like that. I think for kids who, are, who have a lot of crap going on at home, the likes of me and you, like, a normal person who is from an area that maybe they're from, I think that's amazing, and I think that's invaluable to a child, mm-hmm. to have someone that feels like... Like, there's no point in someone going in and going through a real box with a child... You need. To, I think you should go in and say, yeah, do you know what? That actually happened to me. Mm. And this is how I cope with it. And this is how I can try and help you cope with it. Do you know what I mean?
2: Would you ever to consider working in it?
3: I'd love to do but I just haven't got the parents for college. Mm. I, I can really spell my name.
2: Don't underestimate yourself,
3: Doug. <laughs> I would love it, because I'd say it's very fulfilling.
2: Mm. Do you know? Mm. Fulfilling. Fulfilling, <laughs> 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 um, and I think on that note we might leave it there. Yeah. Unless there's anything else you want to tell me about in just. The thanks
3: very much for having me on the podcast. This is my first ever podcast.
2: Is it? Yeah. Congratulations.
3: So um I'm a podcast virgin. You just took my podcast virginity.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> a lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance.